This podcast is sponsored by Position Green. To be an insider, you can subscribe to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable, wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star rating. Welcome to the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, host Mike Niemer will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education's important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer. Welcome back to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I'm your host, Ron Culver. It's episode 213 of the Green Insider Podcast, and joining the CEO of eRenewable, Mike Niemer, is the CEO of LI Metals, Dr. Sereni Gadaverdi. Their conversation is coming up shortly, but first, let's hear from Mike's better half, Ann Niemer, COO of eRenewable, with a very important message to share with you. Position Green helps companies build resilient and sustainable organizations. Position Green has a unique combination of ESG software, advisory, e-learning, and assurance that drives sustainability success and empowers positive change. Visit positiongreen.com to learn more. Thanks, Ann. And now here's Mike Niemer with the CEO of LI Metals, Dr. Srini Gadaverdi. Hello, this is Mike Niemer with the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable on episode 213. Today, we're going to talk to the CEO of LI Metals, Mr. Cerny Godaworthy. Did I get that right? You did, Mike. Thanks well, for having me on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, you know, words, uh, sometimes the, the names are hard for me to pronounce, but I got yours right. So <laughs> thank you for giving me the, the phonetic version of it so I can say it. So welcome thank to you. the show. Uh, I'm excited to hear your, not only your story, but the LI Metals story. So why don't you first kind of tell the listeners about yourself? Sure, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, I, I was born and uh, I grew up in India. I came to the U.S. in 99, uh, went to Oklahoma for my uh, Ph.D. work. Uh, I thought I would be an oil and gas guy, right? So I came right to Houston after I graduated from uh, uh, college, uh, joined a company called Huntsman, uh, worked in the oil and gas industry for a good 10 years. Uh, and then uh, in 2014, got uh, picked by Albemol uh, because they, they were trying to get into um, a lithium business. They were planning to acquire a company called Rockwood, and they really wanted to um, have a non-lithium person come in and assess whether that was the right acquisition or not. Um, at that time, ExxonMobil was basically saying, look, electric vehicles will always be a niche market. Maybe 2% of the market would be electric vehicles. Uh, so the board wanted somebody outside come assess and give a view of the strategy. Seven years with Albemarle, they acquired the business. Uh, when we took that business, it was about $150 million of EBITDA. Today, uh, maybe last quarter, it was $3 billion of EBITDA. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so they bought the whole company for $6 billion. They sold it half of the company, which was in coatings, for about $3 billion. So they put in $3 billion, and they got it in one quarter, right? So oh, my God. Th this is the kind of growth um, uh, lithium has uh, enjoyed. Uh, I've stayed on the renewable side ever since. I left uh, Albemarle in 2021. I had to stay out of the business for a couple of years, given confidentiality, and now back in the lithium world. 
uh, as the CEO of Li Metal. Uh, Li Metal is in the business of producing lithium metal and converting that metal into ultra-thin anodes, which uh, we believe are critical to next-generation batteries. Well, when you say into turning the product into metal, you don't mine for lithium. You're a buyer of the lithium, and then you go through your process of turning it into metal. So tell us about that process. Exactly. So look, uh, there is a, a lot of lithium carbonate available in the industry. Traditionally, uh, lithium metal is produced from a product called lithium chloride. Most people take the lithium carbonate and convert it to lithium chloride. The challenge with that traditional process is you have a lo lot of chlorine gas that comes with that. So for every ton of lithium metal you produce, you produce five tons of chlorine gas that you have to deal with. Guess what? 90% of this is done in China, and for a reason, right? It's a lot more complex to do it in the Western world. There is only one player, and he has only about 200 tons of capacity built out in the U.S. to make that metal. The projection by 2030 is we will need anywhere between 20,000 to 40,000 tons. And we're at... 200 in North America. 200, not even one. Not even 1,000 tons. tons. Okay. You are at 200 tons in North America. 90% of it comes from China, another 7% from Russia, right? So you basically need a lot of capacity to be built And out. so of that gap going to 20,000 tons, Li Metals, how much of that gap are you hoping to fill? Look, we are right now very conservative, right? We are off that looking to fill about 1,000 to 3,000 tons, right? We, so 5 or 10 percent, you'd 10 be happy. Exactly. We, we would be really profitable even with a very small fraction of that market. Where we see, and the reason why we are limiting it to that small fraction is where we see the real value for the industry is not just the metal production, but the anode production, right? That small fraction will be sufficient for the amount of anodes we plan to produce for the market and we supply uh, our anode production facility with metal. Well, we've had miners on the show before, so the listeners you know, understand about the lithium and all that. But no one's really talked about that anode production and what that what's that anode for. Yeah. So tell us that. Give us a definition. Sure. Tell the listeners, educate them on what that word means. Sure. In a battery, you have three primary components. You have a cathode, which is where today most of the lithium resides, and a lot of research has gone in to optimize the cathodes. And you hear numbers like NMC, which means nickel, cobalt, manganese. NCA, which is what Tesla uses, nickel, cobalt, alumina, or LFP, which is lithium iron phosphate, right? These are, there are different types of NMCs in the industry. Different players have different tweaks, right? But the cathode is more or less set right now, and it's optimized. People now are looking at anodes, which is the other side. All your battery does is take lithium from one side to the other as you charge and discharge. Initially, when you charge the battery, the lithium goes from the cathode to the anode. So cathode and anode are just, think of them as cages, right? Where the lithium goes from one cage to the other cage. And in the middle is the electrolyte, which allows the cathode and anode to move around, right? The challenge has been that electrolyte is highly flammable. 
And that is what catches fire when you see all these videos. On the airplanes. Everywhere, the cars, uh, right? Th- that elect- electrolyte is what is catching fire. So what people have been doing is trying to replace the electrolyte with what is called a solid-state electrolyte, which is non-flammable. And with that solid-state e- electrolyte come the different kind of anodes. Today, graphite is what is used as that cage, the anode cage, Right. If you uh, your listeners should be aware, this month or October, China banned all graphite exports out of China, which means now you, the demand for these alternate anodes has started to increase. Right, people awareness among the people of hey, what else can we do? Uh, lithium metal has ten times the energy density that graphite offers in a battery. That Overall energy density is the average of the cathode and the anode. The cathode is now optimized. So people are looking to replace carbon, graphite, with the lithium anodes so they can get more energy density out of the battery. What that translates to is for a same battery size, you get two to three times the range. Or you can cut the battery in half, get the same range, which means the cost of your vehicle goes down. Plus, it's safer more reliable, and you can charge it faster. Now, does that same technology that you just talked about apply to anything other than EV vehicles? What other kind of batteries are involved in all that? Yeah. So one of the very unique areas that we are working with customers on is aviation. Why? Uh, Aviation, today, a typical battery has uh, energy density, nameplate, right? Theoretical energy density in the 200 to 240 watt hours per kilogram. For aviation, they need at least 450 watt hours per kilogram, which means at least 2x what they have today. The only way to achieve that is with uh, a different anode, a non-graphite anode. And a lot of our customers are working with us on uh, looking at lithium metal anodes. Other industries, uh, trucking, right, where battery size starts to get, uh, size and weight starts to get to be pretty challenging when you have a truck, right? Already in a car, it's heavy. Imagine a truck that has to go thousands of miles. You need a more efficient battery system, and that is where these next-generation battery technology comes in. We are a player. We are a component provider, but there are a lot of players developing the entire battery system, and there are few who are well ahead in that space, and we are working with all of them. Well, you know, lately there's been some articles I've seen not only online but here in the Houston Chronicle about there's been an overproduction of lithium at the moment. Mm-hmm. So now... You know, I'm a commodities guy by trade. So now when you go overproduce something, that means the price is going to fall. Tell the listeners about that cycle that lithium is going through right now. Look, the lithium has always been on a cycle, right? Uh, if you go back to 2011, most people do not realize this unless you're in the industry. Um, uh, a, a story that I was told, I joined the lithium business in 2014. So when, when at that stage, when I was trying to really push for more investment as part of Albemarle, uh, the story I was told is, hey, be cautious because in 2011, the price of lithium carbonate, uh, LCE uh, terms, was less than $5. And they could not even get 
the costs uh, of production paid for, and they shut down quite a few of these mines, right? Fast forward to 2018, we were at a peak of $25, and we were all, I was, I was raking in uh, a good profit at that point of time, right? Now, if you talk to my colleagues in 2022, the price was at $81 a kilogram because there was not enough supply, right? So it is a lumpy business. There are periods where there is shortage of supply. There are periods where there is excess of supply. But the key thing your listeners need to understand is the trajectory, the demand trajectory is not going down, right? It is just the rate of acceleration might moderate and then again pick up. The number of EVs produced is not turning negative. The number, the growth of that could moderate. So that itself is being looked at the industry by a large drop off. But in reality, it is just small quarters or periods of time when you have uh, pockets of weakness, but then it, it, it comes back. The long term story is intact for electrification. Well, so $81 is the high it hit. Mm -hmm. Right now we're in the cycle where there's overproduction. The price has fallen to $21, correct? Yep. So that means that the $81, you expect the high to be taken out and the price to go through that at some point in time between now and 2030. If you don't, if you do not invest, yes, right? The hope is people invest and have enough capacity. Look, e either, either extremes are not good for the industry, right? If it's too expensive, you are, uh, uh, it, it hits the price of the you vehicle. Price out, everybody right? out of the and market. nobody buys the vehicle. Yep. If it drops too low, uh, the miners cannot produce and there is a shortage of supplies. The price point where everybody is happy is in the 24 to $28 range, where there is enough supply coming online. The EVs and battery manufacturers make a profit. The customer is not uh, disappointed, right? So the, the best thing to do is for the EVs to realize and negotiate contracts in that price, the miners to realize and uh, lock in, not to get too greedy, not to get uh, too desperate, right? That is the price range where we always wanted long-term contracts to be. So from your 2014 to 2022, when it hit $81, was it a, a gradual increase going up or was there a hockey stick moment where it spiked? What caused that hockey stick moment? Uh, there they, they are a couple of hockey sticks, right? There was a hockey stick in 18 when it hit 25. Mm -hmm. And then there was another hockey stick when it hit 22, the $81 and 22. But before both those hockey sticks, you had a dip like today, right? Where it dipped, people stopped the investment or could not sustain the manufacturing. And then there was an immediate shortage of supply, right? So if you plot that, or anybody can go on uh, and look at the pricing for the past six, seven years online, and you will see two huge uh, peaks. So did the EV vehicle market flatten out those peaks so that the consumer did not see different spikes in the EV vehicle's cost? Or did they actually make it a little fluid and you know change the prices a little bit along the way? Because that's a drastic jump. Look, look at Tesla's pricing, right? It, it went all the way up to 90,000 a car. Today, if you look at it, it's 55,000 a car. So you can see- So it is reflecting it on lithium. It is reflecting on uh, lithium. Lithium miners, uh, component providers like us, EVs, we they all go hand in hand, right? So if you look at their stock price, costs, everything goes hand in hand. And lithium uh, uh, is a good leading indicator. Lithium prices are a good leading indicator. 
Well, I know in all our batteries we all use at home, our AAA, our AA's, our D's, our C's, they all have graphite in them. Mm -hmm. Now, those, because they're not in electric vehicles, they don't have lithium, do they? There are lithium batteries, primary cells also, right, available, where they use... uh, Look, what we are trying to do today with our lithium metal anodes is exactly what you have in those primary cells. So you have lithium primary cells, right? In every one of those household batteries. Not every Only one of them. Only the rechargeable kind, right? The rechargeable kind. The ones that aren't rechargeable. The ever-ready battery that everybody there are can buy. Some, there are some. You have those in the green uh, uh, ca- uh, casing. Right. Which have lithium in them. The all reusable. Those, yes. And some of those small cells, the uh, coin cells, are all lithium-based. Okay, so uh, so when people go to the hardware store and they buy the rechargeable batteries, they're, they're working with what you're talking about today. If you go to the grocery store and just buy a standard battery, not necessarily. Yeah, it, it's a mix, right? The tra- there are some traditional uh, technologies, metal technologies, which don't need lithium for single use. Uh, what they have is a lithium anode with uh, iron phosphate cathode, Right, that is the standard for those lithium primary cells. But they ha- do offer a longer life than uh, your traditional batteries. And so, I know you've got a, a manufacturing plant in Toronto and in New York, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, Rochester, okay. New York. Rochester, New York. So, with that said, how is your product? Is there any subsidies from the IRA that? that comes into play here? Tell us about how the IRA fits what you're doing. Right. Uh, there, there are a lot of, uh, look, a lot of our effort on R&D and development has been funded by the Canadian government. A uh, lot of Canadian agencies have come in, OWIN, CMIF, to promote this, and they really see this as a, a, as a next generation of battery technology. Where IRA comes into play for us is with our customers, where they are mandated to use material that's produced within countries that are friendly towards the U.S. Like I said, most of the metal today comes from China. 90% of it comes from China. Most of the other components, uh, be it graphite, be it copper, China has a significant dominance on uh, the EV sector, right? Part of the IRA is to incentivize the industry to uh, source these components locally. Uh, So what we are trying to do is set up that supply chain network, which is domestic uh, between Canada, US. Maybe we are looking at some customers in Europe because they have sites in US and in Europe. Uh, Some of the companies like Mercedes-Benz or others, right? They they go to different locations. So we are looking at uh, potential sites to be set up in Europe Canada and US to supply our customers. To be IRA compliant, you need to use carbonate that's mined within these countries. You have to have your metal production within these countries and you have to have your anode production within these countries. So the way we are scaling today, we are looking to build a commercial metal facility either in the Quebec region or in upstate New York, mainly because Electricity is a key component of our manufacturing process, and you have hydrothermal energy in that area, and so you can have renewable energy used to make our product, right? So though that's why we are located, and Toronto and Rochester are just a two, two-and-a-half-hour drive, so our R&D teams can go back and forth without too much of a challenge. So your company, Ally Metals, 
the customer you're going to sell to, what part of that supply chain are you and who are you selling to? Look, anodes today are costs uh, about 20 to 25%, right, uh, of the battery. So that would be a typical part in their battery. So the battery manufacturer is your customer. But right now, the way it is happening is some in some cases, the OEM, auto OEM right. itself has a battery production facility. And in some cases, it is the next generation battery developers who are our customers. And if you look at it, they are so much of activity happening in the U.S. because of the IRA, where a lot of uh, companies have announced battery facilities being built in the U.S., gotcha. which did not happen before, right? Everything was in uh, East Asia, Japan, Korea, China. And what the IRA has done is really brought a lot of that battery manufacturing build out to the U.S., and they plan because by 27 they have to use these components to be compliant and get those subsidies. Most of them are working with a few anode players to source that and build that uh, supply chain out. So um, typically, the battery manufacturer that's buying your product uh, on the battery that they're putting that in is Li Metals listed anywhere on there? Or are you all just totally behind the scene? No one knows you're even in that battery. We usually are not seen, right? Yeah. We, we they do not know, and so we are only working with the battery manufacturer. Uh, you would never see even the battery. So if, if, for example, if you look at a Tesla, right, it's under the vehicle or any any battery is under the vehicle, right? You don't even know who made it unless you research it, right? Who Tesla has contracts or who GM right. has contracts, right? You have to really go see who's making that battery for them. Otherwise, there's no branding that you can see because, first of all, you know, we have never pulled a battery and looked at it. What's involved in the next generation for your company? You've got a lot of growth that you need to do by 2030. Are you on that trajectory now, or what's the next phase to reach your ultimate goal of having 10% of that market? Yeah, look, uh, we, we, we want to be on the trajectory. Uh, we are a startup. Uh, our next goal, short-term goal, is to get the funding necessary, the capital necessary to get on track to that, and that is what uh, we are working towards is uh, getting the capital that's critical. Lithium uh, is a billions of dollar kind of industry. But to get to that point, it takes a lot of capital, right? It's, it's, not, uh, it's not cheap. Uh, you have to invest substantially. And so what we are trying to do is work with these OEMs and partners to make them come in and put some skin in the game. So it's just not us raising capital. Look, the chance of failure uh, in this industry is quite high. And there are a lot of miners who have gone broke. There are a lot of competent players who have gone broke. So to ensure we are sustainable for the long term, we are having all our customers come in, get, basically take a piece of the company, right? And as we grow, they benefit from it. And they uh, also get a guaranteed supply of the material. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the Inside Skinny, LI Metals. Cerny, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure having you on The Green Insider. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Another show of The Green Insider, Power Be Renewable. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great rest of your day. 
Thanks again to Dr. Srini Gadaverdi for being a part of the Green Insider Podcast. And thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Ron Culver, reminding you that if you are not yet a subscriber to the Green Insider Podcast, what are you waiting for? Become one today from wherever you receive your podcast. And please leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was sponsored by Position Green. For an introduction to our sponsor or find out how you too could be a sponsor, refer to our show notes to contact E-Renewable and the Green Insider Podcast.